This is the Z Code Sports Betting Podcast. Are you struggling to find success betting sports? Tired of empty promises and scams handicapping services? Wondering why Vegas sports books become richer and richer and how you could win on sports too? This podcast is what the sports investing industry truly needs an insider look into proven successful strategies. The Z Code Podcast is your crash course in sports investing that destroys popular misconceptions and provides invaluable sports prediction analysis tools that you can download for free. We outline insider winning systems from experts that make a living through sports investing and explain how you can do it too. Armed with the best tools in the industry and a proper mindset, sustaining profits is easier than ever before. Welcome to Z-Code Podcast. Well, guys, a new NBA season is starting, and it is a very exciting time of year as the NBA regular season tip-off is fast approaching. This Tuesday, October 28th, 30 teams will begin that grueling 82-game marathon to eventually be whittled down to 16 playoff teams which will then battle it out to decide who will be crowned 2015 NBA champion. And there is nothing in sports quite like the thrill and exhilaration of a drama-filled, action-packed, professional basketball postseason playoff run. And I, with the help of our legendary NBA expert, P. Andrew, will endeavor to scribble down a few of our thoughts of how it's going to play out, what's been happening in the offseason. We are going to go through both NBA conferences and reveal what to expect, what teams to bet, what to avoid, and how you can succeed with Z-Code NBA betting. So we are going to start with the Eastern Conference, and what we'll do is just move through the teams in alphabetical order, so that way we're not revealing any of our personal favorites. Um, And we'll start by giving the name and the last season's record, and then just a few of our thoughts. So in that Eastern Conference, we'll start with, of course, the Atlanta Hawks, uh, 38 and 44, They are continually one of those teams that is always better than average, but never quite good enough to advance that far in the playoffs, uh, which they almost always qualify for. And we pretty much are expecting the same thing from them once again this year. They will likely finish somewhere just above the middle of the pack uh, once more and secure a playoff position somewhere in the lower half of the Eastern seedings. While failing to make any significant offseason moves, they do return with a solid core fully intact of Jeff Teague, Paul Millsap, Kyle Korver, DeMar Carroll, and they will clearly be boosted by the return from injury of the skilled center Al Horford. Uh, some additions that will be handed to them, both Kent Bazemore and Thabo Cephalosha, you may remember formerly of the Thunder, will help but probably not be enough to push this squad too deep into the playoffs. This team just cannot seem to attract star players or the big names and will remain in this same dreaded cycle that they have been stuck in for the years in our estimation. 
Now the Boston Celtics, 25-57, and 57, are coming off an injury-plagued horror season last year. You can see by that record. But the Celtics will be hoping for a better season this year, and I can see them making a small step up this year, perhaps if they stay healthy. Not a great start with Rajon Rondo having a broken hand already and expected to miss the start of the season after sitting out most of last year, too. In the draft, they added solid point combo guard Marcus Smart out of Oklahoma State, and they have some nice pieces without really blowing you away in the likes of Avery Bradley, Brandon Bass, Jared Sullinger, Marcus Thornton. Uh, Also, they've added to their depth in the offseason by picking up center Tyler Zeller and swingman Evan Turner. It's likely the best-case scenario for this squad is battling it out for one of the last playoff spots uh, of the eight in the East. And if they should get there, don't expect them to go very far at all. Uh, Much of that is going to depend on the health and contribution of, by far and away, their best player, Rajon Rondo. Uh, Next, we move on to the Brooklyn Nets, who were 44-38. and You know, high hopes for this big spending squad were last year met with eventual disappointment and a result represented massive underachievement in their eyes as they were easily bundled out of the playoffs 4-1 to by the Miami Heat. Now, they have lost Paul Pierce and their already ancient remaining core is yet another year older. Uh, They have the talent to be competitive in the East for sure, but we can't see a team led by Deron Williams as its marquee player ever going all the way. He is just far too inconsistent. He lacks the heart and that killer instinct, in our opinion. Uh, And as he goes, so will the team go. Now, definitely they should be in the mix for a lower middle seeding playoff spot uh, with that talent that they do have, but way too many holes and question marks out there still to expect big things from this squad. Now, the Chicago Bulls, uh, 48 and 34. The question is, can Derrick Rose play the full season and remain healthy? This is the million-dollar question in Chicago and the driving force behind how far the Bulls can go this year. There is a huge opportunity for this squad to go deep into the playoffs if the former MVP can stay on the court and display the insane, the explosive athleticism and slashing scoring skill set that he became known for before the tragic injuries. Bulls added super-skilled Cerebral big man Paul Gossel in the offseason to round out an outstanding front court of Gassel, Joaquin Noah, and Taj Gibson. Gossel would be considered one of their better signings of the offseason and possibly a game changer for them in the contest for Eastern supremacy. Bulls maintain one of the stingiest, most hard-nosed defenses in the league, masterminded by defensive genius head coach Tom Thibodeau, and also have a bit of shooting in Mike Dunleavy, Kirk Henrich, and a promising rookie, Doug McDermott. Uh, That is, if he can find his feet in the league and clock some meaningful minutes this year. To help space the floor for Rose and Gossel, and we know that rebounding and toughness have never been a problem for this squad Uh, Depending on how well they mesh, this actually could be a big year for the Bulls. 
Moving on to the Charlotte Hornets, who were 43 and 39. This team shocked the hell out of us last year and proving from having one of the worst two-year stretches by a team in NBA history to actually qualifying for the seventh spot in the Eastern Conference playoffs. What? Where they were quickly dismissed by the Miami Heat. I can see them maintaining this season and again challenging for one of those lower-seeded playoff spots. They have a solid core of Al Jefferson, Gerald Henderson, Michael Kidd Gilchrist and Livewire point guard Kimba Walker also added nut job swingman Lance. Let me whisper sweet nothings in your ear, Stevenson and Marvin Williams, which can only help a woefully weak thin bench over the course of this long season. I also love the rookie they picked, Noah Vonley, a versatile, smooth, big man that might turn out to be a real sleeper pick of this draft class. In the end, they don't really quite have the weapons to make serious noise come playoff time, but they should be satisfied if they can build on last year by getting there one more time. The Cleveland Cavaliers, 33-49, and 49, well... Where do I start with my Ohio team? The Cavaliers clearly made by far the biggest splash in the offseason, completely overhauling their roster and going from strugglers to legitimate Eastern Conference favorites in a matter of a few weeks. In a case you've been living under a rock, there's this guy called LeBron James, arguably the greatest basketball player alive today, decided to return home to his Buckeye State and former team that he started out with as a rookie after a four-year run in Miami, during which time he did win two titles. He says it is bigger than him and bigger than basketball to try and bring a pro championship to the city of Cleveland, close to his hometown of Akron, and his sole objective now with his new crew. Once signed, LeBron went about luring in all-star power Kevin Love to Cleveland as well and eventually succeeded in doing so. And now the Cavaliers boast one of the very best trios of players that any team in the league can offer without a doubt. Kyrie Irving is blossoming into a superstar and showcased his his ever-improving game and maturity by starring at the recent Basketball World Champs, and Love seems like the absolute perfect fit for LeBron's game. His relentless pursuit of rebounds and ability to shoot from distance complementing what James can offer with his all-court, multifaceted game. This team should be able to pile up points by the truckload, but the question is, what can they do at the defensive end? Can LeBron transform a bunch of poor defenders, by reputation of course, into a group that can hang their hat on getting stops when necessary the way that Garnett once did in Boston? Only time is going to tell. There are still a few more questions that mark surrounding this group uh, as a first-year NBA head coach and David Blatt, and there's some apprehension over how well and how quickly a team with so many new dominant pieces can actually gel together. Remember, the growing pains experienced by super teams in the past, such as the Miami when they first came together and the Lakers once Dwight joined. Chemistry is huge. We cannot forget that in basketball. There's only one ball. There's a lot of egos, but whatever the case, 
there is more than enough talent on this roster to compete for an Eastern Conference title. Don't believe for one second the crap LeBron has been talking about that it's going to take a lot of time and patience. He is all about business. He's serious about winning that championship as soon as possible. Expect a lot of overinflated spreads against them. They could be great to fade early as they try to gel and find chemistry together. Detroit Pistons were 29 and 53, and I felt that the Pistons underachieved a bit last season and should have gotten within sniffing distance, at least, of the eighth spot in the playoff race. They have decent sort of talent in spots, but just not that type of explosive, dynamic, multi-skilled talent that tends to take you far in this modern NBA era. If anyone can turn this sorry-ass team around, it will be screaming Ron Jeremy lookalike Stan Van Gundy as he returns to a head coaching role for the first time since the debacle in Orlando. But even for him, I think it's all a tall task because they just don't quite have the horses to run with the better squads in the league. On paper, they have one of the nicest front courts going around in Andre Drummond, uh, Greg Monroe, and head case Josh Smith. But it just doesn't translate too much success on court, and depth on the bench is sadly lacking. Shaping up to be another fairly tough one in Motown City, methinks. Now the Indiana Pacers, 56-26. and 26. Last season, the Pacers experienced one of the most horrific meltdowns ever seen in sports over the span of one season. Starting out hot in pursuit of the number one seed in the East so they could grab home court advantage should they meet Miami in the playoffs. Well, meet them they did, and they were easily dismissed by the defending champs as it looked like Indiana blew their wad early and expended way too much physical and emotional energy chasing that top record. This mental implosion had many posing serious questions about the harmony and cohesion of this group, and those questions, they still remain. It looks like it could be a very tough season for this club after losing their best player, Paul George, to a horrendous leg injury during a USA pre-world champs game, and also losing their next best creative player and scorer, and Lance Stevenson, who signed with the Hornets. They now look woefully short on scoring and shooting and are already struggled in that regard, even with a full complement squad. The only pickup of any note in this offseason for them was combo guard Rodney Stuckey, and overall this team just does not look to have neither the scoring punch nor depth to seriously challenge come playoff time. Despite their defensive strength and solid coaching, we just don't see it happening. I expect them to definitively regress to the middle of the pack in the playoff picture or perhaps even worse. Miami Heat, 54-28. Well, obviously things will be different in South Beach after star player LeBron James, as we already discussed, skipped town, leaving newly re-signed Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade to carry the load with much reduced expectations, of course. This team will not be favored to win a title, but I can honestly see them remaining competitive in this conference. They made a few okay additions through draft and free agency, and if Wade can stay on court most of the season, and that is a big if, 
when I see them playing with a bit of a chip on their shoulder and trying to prove they are more than just a one-man show with LeBron gone, it would not surprise me at all to see the Heat competing for a number four or a number five seed come playoff time. Perhaps even better if they maximize what they have with some good luck and some good coaching backing it up. Now the Milwaukee Brewers, 15-67, and 67, an atrocious team that I would expect to remain atrocious for at least another season. This roster is packed with fringe NBA talents and underachievers, and unfortunately in this town there has been a losing mentality for far too long, and it infects players in time and they will eventually stop playing hard and just be wishing they were somewhere else consensus says that their number one draft pick jabari parker is the most nba ready player in the draft and he should contribute immediately given what he's shown in preseason and college it will likely be a long year for him and his teammates however as they finish outside the playoff picture looking in and hopefully it just won't infect his mentality as it has some of the others new york next 37 and 45 the Knicks now have the winningest coach in nba history phil jackson as their president and one of his former players Derek fisher as head coach which might make for an interesting year ahead as players learn a new system and ethos but in the end We just don't see enough talent around Carmelo Anthony to make serious noise at the business end of the season. This club is still bidding its time and stacking chips to make a run at a big-name free agent signing in the future and wouldn't seriously entertain thoughts of going deep in the playoffs if they were to get there. You look at the roster, and it's actually just a bunch of old guys, injured guys, uh, head cases, and underachievers. But, as always, it will be fun watching a newly slimmed down Carmelo rack up points. It just might not add up to much as I can see the Knicks finishing around the same mark as last year, if not worse. Orlando Magic, 23 and 59. Another tough year probably lies ahead for this group of hardworking but overmatched squad. Most could be considered borderline NBA talent at best, and although they can upset any team on any particular night, especially at home, they generally will not frighten anyone over the long run. I will be fairly shocked if they can even sniff playoffs. Aside from Victor, Tobias Harris, and Nicola, there is not much to be excited about in terms of quality, consistent productivity on a nightly basis. And even those guys struggle with inconsistency. Philadelphia 76ers, 19-63. and 63. A historically bad season, as you could hear by that record last year, is likely to be followed by yet another stinker as year 20 of the 250-year rebuilding plan in Philly gets underway. This team hasn't been relevant since Allen Iverson was talking about practice and may not be for a little while yet to come. One of the most transparent tanking jobs ever seen in the sports last year resulted in mostly D-leaguers taking the court for the 76ers for much of the season, and they nearly set all-time NBA losing streak record just tying it in the end. They got the high draft pick they were after and used it on Kansas center Joel Embiid, uh, who has a serious foot injury and is a bit of a gamble in my mind regardless. Not sure how much we get to see him play this year, but the return from rehabilitation of previously lottery pick Nerlens Noel can only help 
as he has some real nice upside as a defensive stopper and mobile athletic big man. Michael Carter-Williams is the only other player of note here on this squad, but he will not be enough to prevent this team from once again being total and utter garbage. Excuse me, fans of this team. But their goal for the season may be to win more games than the Bucks. once again. No playoffs for the 76ers. Toronto Raptors, 48-34. and 34. Great year for the Raptors last season as they made it to the playoffs for the first time in a long while and gave the more experienced Nets all they could handle before eventually losing in Game 7. Expect another solid campaign from this tough, hard-nosed squad that relies heavily on hustling and defending for the full 48, whilst the stellar backcourt rotation of DeMar, DeRozan, and Kyle Lowry provide much of the offense at the other end. The continued development and improvement of Jonas Valanciunas and addition of bench sniper Lewis Williams should help this team maintain its momentum built through 2013. They pulled off a lot of big surprise wins on the road versus far more fancied opponents, which said something for their togetherness and heart. Perhaps they overachieved a tad and take a wee step back from that 48-win mark, but the talent still remains to be somewhere around there and in contention once again for a nice playoff seeding. Washington Wizards, 44-38. and 38. This is most definitely a team on the rise, and a lot of folks are taking notice. They will not slip under the radar any longer. After many years of mediocrity, they finally slipped into the playoffs last year, dumping the more fancied Bulls out before succumbing to the Pacers. Led by one of the most promising, exciting backcourts in the league and John Wall and Bradley Bill, and with talent at every single position and actually a little depth on the bench as well, there is no reason at all why this club can't repeat last season's effort and go even one better. Only lack of experience and coaching may hold them back, but even they might have what it takes in a fairly shallow Eastern Conference to shake things up a bit once winning time arrives in April. Paul Pierce comes over from the Nets to address that experience issue, and there is decent talent in the front court, mid-sized spots, and at the point. The more I look at this team, the more I like them, and if they can't take a big step this year, I'm sure it is not too far off in the near future. You know, to sum it all up, we hate to be boring and predictable, but in the end, we must side with the consensus in selecting Cleveland Cavaliers and Chicago Bulls as the standout teams, cream of the crop in the East. If they can remain relatively injury-free, then both should find a way to advance to the Eastern Finals. Bulls, as always, will build their game around rebounding and one of the very best defenses in the league and one of the very best coaches when it comes to that aspect of the game. And now with the new additions they have made, they should be able to move the ball a lot better and create and make shots so that scoring isn't the excruciating chore it often appeared without Rose on the floor. Cavaliers will almost certainly have their growing pains and it will take time to figure things out with so many new huge pieces trying to come together. That is only natural. But by the time playoffs roll around, I think they're going to be fine. There is a lot 
a lot, a lot of talent on this roster, and that is what carries you when it all boils down. If this series were to eventuate, it's a tough one to pick. I can see it going six games at least, maybe seven, and a battle of styles ensuing. Bulls with the big advantage in coaching and defense and in long-term chemistry, while the Cavaliers will boast more of that scoring power, depth, and clutch players. And those things can decide games at that time of year. Anyhow, essentially this is a Stars League and star power wins out more often than not. So in their first year together, I would lean slightly to LeBron's new crew to escape from the East victorious. Honorable mentions go out to the Washington Wizards, Toronto Raptors, and Miami Heat, who could all surprise a few people again. And the Brooklyn Nets have enough to perhaps make the second round again but doubtfully any further. It's hard to overlook a team with the pedigree of the Pacers, but they simply don't appear to have the cattle to get it done. Just my hunch, been wrong before, probably be wrong again. Now moving on to the Western Conference, we'll be starting with the Dallas Mavericks, 49-33. and 33. I hear a lot of talk about how the Mavericks have made great improvements in the offseason and can take a big step forward this year in the Western playoff seedings, but I personally don't buy it. After adding a nice player in Chandler Parsons and returning former championship winner with this very club, Tyson Chandler, I feel that Dallas, nonetheless, will pretty much stand pat and be somewhere around the congested middle lower half of the Western playoff picture. Losing Jose Calderon, Samuel Dallenbert, and Sean Marion offsets to some degree what they were able to do in the break of the season. And in a brutally competitive division like this in conference, I don't see them improving the way many others do. But hey, time will tell. As always, they will be led by all-time great Dirk Nowitzki, who still has a bit left in the tank, and he will be ably supported by Ellis and Parsons. They are one of the many teams that could possibly spring a big surprise deep playoff run, and I must say I do like the depth on the bench that they have. But honestly, I can't see them getting past the first round of the playoffs should they even qualify. Now the Denver Nuggets, 36-46. and 46. This club potentially could be one of the big improvers this season after a very disappointing return last year where they missed the playoffs, which was an aberration for a pretty standard team of recent years. Having uber-athletic, though boneheaded, center Javal McGee and forward Danilo Gallinari both return from injuries is huge for this squad. Both missed all or most of last season, and it ripped the heart out of this team's aspirations. Traditionally, one of the very toughest buildings to win in, expect Pepsi Center to be returned to that status as a real fortress as teams are forced to get up and down or risk being run out of the building in the high altitude as the Nuggets throw a variety of versatile, athletic, skilled guys at you and rotate with the depth that they have. Kenneth Farad can only be better for his outstanding world championship experience, and in Ty Lawson, they have a jet that can dictate the tempo the way that this group really needs. I think a minimum of 45 wins should be on the radar for these guys, 
and that may or may not be enough to sneak into the playoffs. But regardless, once there, unfortunately, they are not really built for long-term postseason success. This has always been the knock on them and will remain so as they do things by committee and without a real all-star level alpha male, nor a low post threat or high volume score. And as many points as they can pile on, They tend to give up just as many, not really a formula for a postseason success. Moving right along to the Golden State Warriors, 51-31, and another quality team in a conference that is stacked with them. I would expect more of the same from them again, perhaps scratching on the door of 50 wins. Basically returning the same roster from last year, with the only exception being a bit of added depth at guard spots with Leandro Barbosa and Sean Livingston, a nice pickup there. They have more than enough talent to finish within the top four or five in the West if they maximize their potential. Led by the well-known exploits of hot shooting guard tandem Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and solid play at most other positions as well. The big unknown quantity for this team, though, of course, will be the introduction of first-year coach Steve Kerr. The former multiple championship-winning role players will take over from Mark Jackson, who was rather surprisingly dumped after two largely successful seasons at the helm. It remains to be seen what Kerr can do. I definitely have my reservations as to whether he can be ruthless or brutal enough or if he instead buddy-buddies up to the players the way Jackson tended to. We saw just last season the type of growing pains that can be had in the recent player-to-coach transition with Jason Kidd, and it's certainly a roll of the dice to say the least going with a guy that has little to no previous NBA-level coaching experience. A team that could potentially tip up some bigger-name sides come playoff time, the Warriors can be dangerous if they get on a roll. It would not surprise me to see them advance to the second round of the playoffs if they really click, perhaps even further. The Houston Rockets, 54-28. and 28. This is a team that had a very poor offseason in my eyes, missing out on Chris Bosh, who re-signed with Miami, and losing Chandler Parsons, Omar Asik, and Jeremy Lin. That may not sound like a whole lot to your average layman, but it has really stripped them of depth. And Parsons was an unselfish glue guy that did lots of little unseen things that no one else wanted to. Dwight Howard, to me, is a complete fake who always seems to run, hide, and look for someone else to blame when the going gets tough. And any side that is relying on this dude as its primary marquee player is in trouble, I believe. Great physical specimen, dominant player when motivated, no doubt, but a true mental midget. Picking up forward, Trevor Ariza was a good move, but not enough to keep this ball club anywhere near title contention. The burden on all-stars James Harden and Howard may prove to be too great with some of the scrubs around them, and things might go south quickly as those are the type of guys that will turn on you and go solo in a hurry if things don't go well. I predict some sort of regression for this team, perhaps enough to miss the playoffs altogether. 
The Los Angeles Clippers, 57-25. and 25. This is the year the Clippers really need to make a move in the postseason or serious questions may start to be asked and moves made to alter the squad a little or maybe even a lot. They are starting to build a reputation as regular season bully boys who can't get over the hump at the pointy end of the season. Despite the presence of high-profile all-stars Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, plus a more-than-capable cast of support guys like DeAndre Jordan, Jamal Crawford, and Matt Barnes, still, there is something missing that prevents me from considering them true title contenders. They don't have that look somehow. Good enough talent coaching a new ownership to start afresh after the nightmare that was last season all point to another successful year that should see this team right in the thick of it all at the final stages. But I can see them probably coming up a bit short once more. This is the year to prove doubters like myself wrong. No excuses anymore. Los Angeles Lakers 27 and 55 after one of the worst season results in Lakers living memory. There isn't a whole lot of hope in Hollywood for a much better 2015 despite the return of living legend Kobe Bryant from injury. Uh, it was like both Achilles and his knee. It's so damn bizarre seeing them play second fiddle, baby brother to the traditionally morbid Clippers, but that's the way it is these days, or at least for the time being. It's really tough to get much of a read on this group. In recent seasons, the Lakers seem to have a funny knack of putting together an awfully peculiar bunch of mismatched, underappreciated, unwanted, or untalented French type of guys with odd head case thrown in for good measure. Again, looking over this current roster, it's tough to know what to expect except to say that they will certainly not be an elite force in the West. But whether Kobe can single-handedly will them to compete for a playoff spot or not is anyone's guess. It will be fun watching him go around for one of his last few seasons in any case, and also to see if 257-year-old Steve Nash can actually make it through a full game. Oh, and to see if Nick Young can avoid getting punched in the face by Kobe for any of his tips typical knucklehead behavior that will actually be one of my personal highlights come to think of it gotta love swaggy p <laughs> prediction no playoffs in Lakerland. memphis grizzlies 50 and 32 a super solid ball club should have another solid season based around the solid play of front court beast zach randolph and mark gassel solid First-year coach Dave Joger surprised and impressed in his first go-round after Lionel Hollins was shockingly let go, and things looked pretty bright for him and this team going forward. They are plainly and simply built for playoff basketball and are the one team no one else wants to meet in that first round. The target for them will be to register enough wins to get some home court advantage in that first round. To that end, the additions of score Vince Carter plus Bueno Udry and Earl Clark should help in adding a bit of depth to a bench that has definitely been a weak point in years past. 
Once again, this should be a playoff team and will take a lot of beating and a heck of a physical fight to dump out. Just not sure they have the primetime superstars and X-Factor to carry them all the way to the finals. Minnesota Timberwolves 40 and 42, one team in the West that can fairly confidently say will definitely miss out on the playoffs. This is a very young ball club, and that is building for the future, to put it euphemistically. Proven NBA quality talent is pretty thin on the ground after Kevin Love was traded to Cleveland, and this team will probably take its lumps as some of the younger guys learn the NBA ropes. To be honest, They probably have enough to compete for a playoff berth in the weaker East, but alas, they are not in the East. Young phenom Andrew Wiggins should provide a few show-stopping moments with his absurd athleticism, and fans will be hoping he shows the type of killer instinct that hints at a future franchise player-type potential. In conjunction with Ricky Rubio, it could be Lob City Part 2, which will be entertaining, if nothing else, in a tough season for Wolves fans. New Orleans Pelicans 34-48. Okay, you can stop laughing. Yes, that is their real name, the Pelicans. Enough to strike fear and terror into the heart of the staunchest, toughest opponents before even stepping out onto the court. The only thing stopping this team from having a pretty decent sort of season is health. I feel as they are devastated by multiple season-ruining injuries last year to starters like Ryan Anderson and Drew Holiday. They can't afford to be missing any of their top players as tough as the competition is, but they now have a bit of insurance by adding depth in the form of Omar Asik, Jimmer, Fredette, and John Salmons. What happened to names like Smith and Bird? I am just struggling with this script, even though I'm bilingual. Led by sensational young talent Anthony Davis, who is coming on in leaps and bounds at an alarming rate and could be a league MVP type in years ahead, the Pelicans have a starting five that can go toe-to-toe with most, even in the Western Conference, and just need to build the sort of belief that has been missing in a losing environment for so long to contend for one one of the last playoff spots. My best guess is they just miss out, but show some nice glimpses of a promising future in the process. Oklahoma City Thunder 59-23, and one of the few elite teams in the league that one can say has a legitimate, realistic chance of winning a championship from year to year. The Thunder will once again enter 2015 season with that lofty goal. They have been, however, been dealt a setback, which may prove costly with league MVP Kevin Durant recently injuring a foot in preseason play and being invalidated out of the opening stanza of the season. At least a month's worth of regular games being the early prognosis. While it may not seem a fatal blow on the surface of things, it may well prove critical further down the line if the Thunder cannot get enough wins throughout the year to secure home court advantage going deep into the later rounds. Oklahoma have one of the very best home court advantages in the league with Ross's loyal supporters turning up to cheer them on no matter what through thick and thin. How Russell Westbrook is able to keep the team afloat during Durant's absence will be critical in my view, and clearly a lot of other guys are going to have to step up also that may not be used to such a prominent role, the likes of Reggie Jackson, Jeremy Lamb, and veteran Nick Collison. 
it would be no surprise to see OKC right in the thick of it at the pointy end of the season again. But in my personal view, their success is a bit of a sad indictment on the way the game of basketball is played. They played an extremely individualistic style of basketball, highly predicated on isolation play. And Coach Scott Brooks has no control whatsoever over what his star players do. Or if he does, he's just a terrible coach. The fact that the Thunder can achieve what they do year after year speaks to just how amazing Durant and Westbrook both are as scores and all-around players in general. Absolutely two of the very best on planet Earth. But me personally, not a big fan. Phoenix Suns 48 and 34, easily the biggest surprise package by a landslide last season. The Suns come into this year with pretty high expectations, now expecting to make another really strong push for the playoffs, just missing out in 2014. I, like many others, was shocked at what they were able to achieve last season and greatly underestimated the talent they possessed and the cohesion they were able to bring in such a short amount of time together. And a lot of it was done without one of their best players, point guard Eric Bledsoe, who was out injured for a good stretch. Over the offseason, they didn't make any huge moves, but getting Isaiah Thomas to back up at the point guard spot and rookie T.J. Warren via draft strengthens their roster a little bit. It will be a big ask for Coach Jeff to improve on his first setup effort as a guy new to the league in that capacity, but he has made a great first impression so far. With the lineup they have, they will clearly be looking to play with pace, spacing, and trying to hit the long ball as much as possible. Definitely not built to play slow and bang with anyone. This could be a major failing for them should they get over the hump and into the playoffs. I would anticipate perhaps a bit of regression for the Suns as they won't take anyone by surprise now and teams are not overlooking them so much. Probably just missing out on the eight again, but still a team on the rise for sure. Portland Trail Blazers, 54 and 28, yet another strong team in the West. It will be tough for them to emulate the success of last season's breakout year in which they qualified for the playoffs for the first time in a while and went on to shock the much more fancied Houston Rockets in the first round with a dramatic buzzer-beating three-pointer. Portland boasts a starting five that is the envy of most around the league with all-stars LaMarcus Aldridge and Damian Lillard and really solid, talented guys that play the roles well in Robin Lopez, Wes Matthews, and Nicholas Bottom. And it is their bench that has been a horrible problem for them for a while. But they are slowly addressing that area. They've got a few guys that can contribute in that regard now. And they just picked up Chris Kamen and Steve Blake to provide a little more backup. I like the Blazers squad and expect them to be battling right around the middle of the pack for playoff position once more. But something tells me that they may have a slight drop-off. Just based on the way they play and things that went in their favor, they may not continue going forward. It's only so long you can survive so heavily on a steady diet of almost exclusively long jump shots in this league while hardly getting any points in close in the paint and only playing less than average defense to boot. They were also on the positive end of a heck of a lot of narrow margin outcomes last season and all of this type of stuff tends to catch up with you eventually. All in all, there's no reason why Portland can't get into the postseason again 
but I think they probably get bounced in the first or second round. Sacramento Kings, 28-54, and 54, one of the more moribund franchises in the league. The Kings just can't ever seem to put it together. They always have reasonable talent and some sort of hope at season's opening, but it normally quickly turns south as knucklehead antics and selfish play bad attitudes start to creep in once reality sets in that once again they will just be making up the numbers. Looking at the roster for this year, there doesn't appear to be much hope that anything will change dramatically. Aside from DeMarcus Cousins, one of the most talented young big men in the game, there is isn't much to get excited about as most of the other spots are filled by marginal NBA journeymen, young, unproven greenhorns, and overpaid underachievers. Not much hope for anything more than about 30 wins tops in Cowtown, I'm afraid. San Antonio Spurs, 62-20. and 20. The defending NBA champion Spurs returned basically their entire roster from last season and even managed to somehow pick up a gym lower down in the draft, Kyle Anderson, out of the UCLA, which isn't great news for the rest of the league because when this team clicked, they were a whole mother level and made a beautiful symphony of basketball brilliance and excellence that was too much for others to handle. In the finals against a pretty decent Heat team, Spurs made their opposition at times look straight amateurish and took their heart out about midway through what was inevitably a short series. Spurs are as dependable as death, taxes, and Detroit Tigers bullpen. You know they will F it up every time. Come on. And all the cliches that get tiresome that you hear about, but they remain true. They play the epitome of team-first basketball, and it is a thing of beauty to watch this every man working for the greater good and good shots being passed up for great ones, and each man willing to do the dirty work, the unseen things that all contribute to registering a win on any given night. Experts have been writing this team off as too old and past their window of opportunity for about a decade now, and yet they keep coming back year after year as a league leader and title contender doing it their way. Now, having reinvented themselves in recent years under the guidance of coaching genius Greg Popovich, the one goal that remains is the only one to have eluded Tim Duncan, Manu, Tony Parker, and that is to repeat as champions. I would imagine that inside the camp, that has definitely been spoken of. And as time winds down on the storage yet understated careers of this big three, there is probably a quiet, determined, steely resolve to get back to the mountaintop and do one of the most difficult things in American pro sports, win back-to-back titles. This is one of the winningest franchises in all of U.S. pro sports history, and it would be foolish to bet against them adding one more chapter to what they've already achieved. So I'm not about to do it. Another season as a contender for the top spot in the West for sure, done the right way. Utah Jazz 25 and 57. The less said about this team, the better. Expect them to be bringing up the rear in a very deep competitive conference. Slowly, they are stockpiling some nice young talent, but they definitely are not ready yet. And it would be a rather large shock if they somehow found their way into the playoffs. Our good Australian Z-Code friends will have a vested interest in this club in tracking the progress of two young Aussie kids, Dante Exum and Brock Modem. 
which should provide some interest as they show their wares in the toughest basketball stage on the planet. Welcome. One expect it will be tough going for them and their teammates, though, as they can expect to take their lumps in yet another transitional year. To win 30 games would probably be a realistic target for this group. Playoff qualifications, a huge stretch. I will look to the sky for the presence of flying pigs before I expect that to happen. Well, to give you our summary, the Western Conference is a super competitive, brutal landscape in which only the strong survive, and there are really only two or three weak teams. Having said that, there are also a small handful of elite teams that are just a cut above the rest. In my eyes, those teams are the usual suspects, the Thunders and Spurs with a group of teams nipping at their heels looking to make that breakthrough Clippers Warriors and Grizzlies. What seeding the Thunder ends up with could prove pivotal as they will need every advantage they can muster if they eventually meet up with the Spurs early on minus Durant or even during his reintegration when he will be shaking off rust might come back to haunt them. Thunder can provide a matchup problem for San Antonio with insane athleticism and speed and quickness and also are one of the hungriest teams around looking for another taste of finals basketball after failing once but as already mentioned when this Spurs group turns it up to the highest level, no one can live with them, and their intelligence and chemistry can overcome any deficiencies or disadvantages they may give up. The big question mark for them is will they be desperate and hungry enough to reach those levels once again? It is well documented the way the heartbreak of 2013 final loss to Miami burned Spurs very deeply and drove them on like men possessed last year. They were on a mission and could not be stopped, and it's only natural that after that desire is satiated, some subconscious satisfaction will set in. After going back and forth several times, I again have to go the dull route and plump for the indomitable Spurs to repeat as Western Conference champions, probably in a long competitive series. If they don't meet the Thunder, it may be the Warriors, Clippers, or Grizzlies they have to overcome, and they have the experience and know-how to get past all of those squads. Popovich has proven to be a master at having his team primed and ready for postseason play with regular rest and rotation during the regular season grind, and this will prove critical for their bid at repeat trips to the final. Also right in the mix should be the Trailblazers, Mavericks, and possibly Nuggets, but all these teams have too many holes and flaws to advance very deep, in my view. And as a final overall look, should the Spurs manage to get out of the West, I can't honestly see any team from the Eastern Conference toppling them if they are not at or near their best once more. As stated, they show they can take basketball to a whole new level when clicking with incredible ball movement, discipline, and precision that is hard to match. So long as they still have the fire inside, the motivation, the unlikely achievement of back-to-back -back titles is attainable for the black and silver. Bulls will not quite have the offense to keep up over the course of a series, and Cavaliers' new group surrounding LeBron will not quite be ready for their first foray into the big time as a collective unit. In the end, it's hard to go past the class, quality, and completeness of the defending champs, so that's where I lean. 
But whoever it is that emerges from the West, I believe, will start as a strong favorite, be it Thunder or a surprise team like Clippers, Warriors, etc. There's always a chance that someone new will emerge, given how tough and competitive it is out West, so nothing would really shock or surprise. Just keep in mind that the NBA season is a marathon and a grind of injuries, form, chemistry, trades, motivation, and a riff-raff of other things that can alter the fortunes of any team in an instant. So making predictions this far out is always fraught with danger. But based on the information available, we do the best we can. Two teams will remain top teams, and in the seven-game series format, the best teams with the greatest, most cohesive talent and coaching almost inevitably come out victorious. There's not too many jaw-dropping shock upsets come playoff time. So that's our take on it. Hopefully it will be a brilliant season ahead yet again. Hopefully we haven't bored anyone or put you to sleep with these ramblings or offended you with all the ways that I messed up coaches and players' names. I just want to say good luck to all of us. See you in the Z Code VIP Club. And remember, we have great experts and automatic NBA systems there like NBA Aragorn and Legola System that are really profitable every year. Don't miss out. Take care. See you there.